What's your story? My name is Elliot Foreman. I'm the founder of Benita Payments, and this is my story. Okay, so tell the world actually, I mean, where are you from? I was born in Charity Hospital and kind of sort of was raised a little bit downtown before we moved uptown, uptown to Carrollton. And I stayed on the East Bank until the third grade, and then I moved to the West Bank back of Manhattan. So I'm a real Harvey Gretna situation, you know, before, you know, my mom was lucky enough to get married and we moved to Seattle, Washington, which is a long way from New Orleans. Wow. So you have a journey. We got, and we have questions. <laughs> okay. So I want to ask this question first, because I never asked anyone this, like, would you prefer to stay in Arlington Paris or Jefferson Paris growing up in both? I would prefer to stay in Jefferson Paris. Let me tell you why. Because it had a, a little bit more suburban feel. Because Orleans is grimy. Let's face it, it is tough. You living in, I mean, I didn't, I didn't live, a, I didn't live in a nice uptown neighborhood. We lived in apartments. We lived in houses. We lived in shotguns like anybody else. But you know, now that I'm thinking back on it, I'm glad that I was, I became resourceful because I just couldn't see myself raising my kids the way that I grew up. So, you know, moving from New Orleans all the way to, I'm like, Washington. Yeah. Was that one, I'm like, I'm like, culture shock? It was different because what a lot of people don't realize is that Seattle, Washington, and that entire West Coast, there's a lot of people from Guam and other Asian islands and stuff like that because you're ultimately really on the West Coast. You know, if you go to the East Coast, you kind of get a little bit taste of the European side of things. You start meeting people that are Czechoslovakian or whatever. But, but for me, coming from New Orleans, a West Banker moving to Seattle, number one, the educational system was like night and day different. You know, the classroom sizes were different. The teaching, the, the, the curriculums were different. I had to make a real hard adjustment. I would tell you that I was behind in school most of my life because of the fact that we moved a lot due to the military. So if I did kindergarten through the third grade in New Orleans and did sixth, seventh, and eighth grade in Seattle, 9th, 10th, and 11th grades in Washington, D.C. to come back to graduate from New Orleans, Louisiana, that in itself was an academic triathlon that I just, I think I lost on, to be honest with you. So you, as you think when you went to Seattle and Washington and you came back to New Orleans, do you feel like you were more, I'm like, advanced? A hundred percent. I mean, because when I got back to New Orleans, it's like they couldn't figure out where exactly I was going to be at. So I had to have a gap year. So I stayed out of school until I graduated again. And I never told anybody that. But so, so in other words, I was supposed to get, <laughs> I graduated from school two years late because academically, like I said, I was so displaced. But college was never an option for me. I didn't have the, the resources, the finances. I didn't have the, I didn't have a, a family heritage of people that went to college. So you know what? I ended up in the military. So, actually, before we go forward, like what high school did you actually graduate from? Believe it or not, I'm a West Jeff Buccaneer, and I'm proud of that. You know, um, that school, even though I was there only six months to get a diploma, was good to me for a time, and I made some long-time friends, and I still have them, and I, I cherish those relationships. Gotcha. So, you know, getting out of high school, going to the uh, military. Yeah. How was that? 
Well, it was very, it was really scary. You know, I was not athletic at the time. I discovered athletics in the military, and I didn't realize that I was gifted until I got in the military, and it was like run this far, this fast, and this should be your time. And I was able to do really well in that. And so I discovered boxing in the military. I discovered um, basketball in the military. I, mean, I played basketball in high school in Maryland, but I really got a chance to grow up and mature as a man. 18, 19, 20, 21, those are the four best years of my life physically, and I gave it to the U.S. Navy. So, you know, hey, if you could do it again, I'm like, would you? If I could do my life all over again, I wouldn't change a thing because today I'm a man that I can be proud of. I have a story. I have a journey. I have bumps and bruises. I've survived. I'm still here. I'm building a beautiful company that pays people very well. People are earning a great life and having a, having a life they can be proud of because I had an idea and it's here and we ain't going nowhere. Right. So, actually, before we go, I'm like forward, I'm like about your company, you know, we're going to act a little bit more about your story. Okay. So, get, leaving out the military, did you, I'm like going to the I'm like corporate world, or you just got one on like regular job? Okay, so when you get out of the military, there's no transition assistance program that's really going to help you to become a civilian again. So, I went from being highly programmed to um, knowing what I was going to do every day, every single second of the day, very disciplined, eating on a regimented schedule, you know, working out at a certain time, having what they call liberty, which everybody else calls life. In the military, it's work and liberty. And so I was, I traveled a lot. My military career, I probably spent 10 out of 12 months on a ship in different countries. And so I didn't really care for the four-year relationships that I had during that time. I was always abroad, I was always working hard, I was always in uniform, I didn't make a lot of money, but I was beat like steel into the man I am today. And so, would I do it all over again? Yeah, it may not have been the most glamorous and the most attractive path, but it got me to where I am today. And like I said, I wish somebody would play with me. Right. And like being in the military actually, I mean, disciplines you to actually wake up early and different things like that, I that you can use as an entrepreneur. I do. I look at civilians today like they're lazy. And it's not just because of the military. Because listen, if you ever are faced with pay your bills on time, eat decent foods, live in a, a comfortable house, or go have fun and turn up, that's one of the reasons that I don't really understand this city the way that you know it's kind of set up. It's like, I live here, I understand the culture, but I don't participate as much as everybody else does. So I have a serious, serious problem with the lack of discipline, the labor force. I know what my merchants are struggling with because it's like getting somebody to come to work on time, to come to work prepared, motivated, ready to help you grow a business. That is an absolute unicorn. And if you find one, you better keep them. So how did you come up with the name of your company? Okay, listen, to be honest with you, my company could have been named Orange Payments or Apple Payments or Pinecone Payments. It was going to work because whenever I commit myself to something, it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. It's going to work itself out. So Bonita is just a name that has some significance to me personally, and um, it just was what I came up with. I thought about a lot. Target is a target. Amazon is an A through a Z. Um, Chick-fil-A is a chicken with a... For late, I don't know. So what could I name my company? What could I get behind? What could I brand out and make it stand out and be significant? And Bonita just came out as someone is the one that stuck as we, you know, we tried a couple of different versions. Right. So like, you know, so it's how did the, um, the idea of your company um, come about? 
Okay, so when I got out of the military, I went into car sales, vitamin sales, technology sales, a lot of different things. And so I learned the road to a sale by selling cars. If you ever want to test yourself and your mental metal, you go, you go sell cars. And so selling cars, I only did it for six, eight months or whatever. And then that led me into technology sales where I felt more comfortable because I had a high aptitude for technology. The military, my job was classified and it was something that I would never be able to transition into the civilian sector. So I literally gave them four years and then got out of military and the only thing I could bring with me was discipline and commitment. I couldn't bring the technology and the advancements of things that I brought, that I learned in the military. So I had to figure out what I was gonna do. So technology, sales, discipline, I kind of put it all together and I ended up, believe it or not, in merchant processing. Right. So, you know, the journey of your, your company, as you have already spoken, like, it's how many years I mean, has your company been I mean, running? Okay, so when I, after I got out of military, started selling cars, ended up in technology sales. I started in payment processing in 2006, 2006 maybe 2005. Don't, don't, don't hold me on that. Because one thing I'm not really good at doing is keeping track of dates. And one of the reasons is because today is a random Thursday. It is important to me. It's, hear this clearly. Today is the youngest you're ever going to be. And I walk around understanding that I'll never see this day again. And so I don't go around, you know, memorializing days and things like that. Well, anyway, so you get 52 Thursdays, you only get one birthday. Yeah, which, what are you going to do? You're going to celebrate one time, 52 times? You know, there's that whole thing. So for me, what I did was I decided to, um, I lost my train of thought. So basically, how many years? Okay, back on years. Okay, all right. So, so. I've been selling payment processing for just under 20 years, and I've been inside of it in a corporate capacity and now independently for the last 10. And I want my company to be just as good and if not better than anybody in the payments landscape, and I'm committed to that on every level. I'm gonna tell you the truth, like you were the first black man I saw to actually have a business like this. So like, who are your, I'm like competitors, Maybe here in I mean, New Orleans. There is nobody in New Orleans that I would consider a competitor. There are companies that do what I do, but they do it through the bank franchises. Okay, so banks offer the services that we offer. And I am the only independent, you know, and I say I, meaning we are the only independent. And, you know, we offer a very high-tech, fine-tech service that is unique. It's, um, it's normally not relationship-based, but we've made it relationship-based which means that you can go online and buy a merchant account, but you're never gonna have a relationship. We not only provide the service, but we offer so many different layers of support and tools, tool set, resources to help our customers be better. So I've made it a business to boutique level customize a merchant services solution that offers capital finance funding. We offer, we offer teaching and, and, and service things of, things of that nature. So for instance, if you're a brand new restaurant, and you've been good at cooking in the kitchen for so long, what makes you think that you can actually open the doors to a restaurant and it's gonna be successful? Restaurants have the highest failure rate out of all the businesses in the, in the world right now, but, but at the same time, they got like the highest start rate. So it's like something people just really think that could happen. 
So if you look at all of the restaurants in the city of New Orleans, the ones that have long family histories, they can survive through generations. Hopefully the generation is bringing the, the vision forward and sometimes it doesn't. If you look at a business and you say, man, that name is an old name, it's because some one person came through, put their last name on something and brought it forward and the generation bought into the concept that their last name was more important than their first name. That's how the rich people do it. So when you see the first generation builds it, the second generation elevates it to another level and the third generation throws it off the cliff. That's a normal business migration for a lot of family businesses. So um, getting back to what I say is we offer the resources to help them because we know this already. My company knows this and we try our best to teach, help strategize, make injections into a business, whether it be capital, whether it be mental stimulus, whatever it is, to just help. And so, you know, yes, we're going to make some money, but we're going to also do a lot of good. All right. So, so let's talk, um, let's talk about local politics. Huh. So, so how do you feel about, you know, every, every things that's going on, like in the city of New Orleans right now? Okay, so listen, I could choose to live anywhere in the world. I don't, I'm, I'm, it's not like I'm super rich and I can just move to Alaska or whatever, but I built my home here and I built my company here. We're headquartered here, even though we have a footprint that's just about from Texas to New Jersey, right? So I choose to live here. We could headquarter in Texas, we could headquarter in Atlanta, we could headquarter in Kentucky, but we are here because this place has an emotional attachment to me. And when I look at local politics and I think, are we helping each other or are we hurting each other? Is New Orleans a small microcosm of what happens on a national scale? Probably. But I think that because New Orleans is the only city where you can know everybody, you can walk into a coffee shop and see somebody from high school, from college, from a former relationship, to a former friend, to a former employee, to a former coworker, whatever. New Orleans is this, the biggest city that's in the smallest situation. You can't do that in Houston. You can't do that in Atlanta. You cannot go anywhere in New Orleans and somebody not know somebody that you know. This is a very interconnected city. So politically speaking, I wonder what's the motivation. Why would somebody run for politics to gain power to be able to do absolutely nothing for the city? I would never take the job of leading this city if I could not do something for this city to make it better, to make it more economically available for all the people that need it, whether, whether it be to fix the sewage and water board situation, which is the situation to fix the, the, the political landscape here. It's toxic. So many bad things going on. Let me just say this. As a citizen of New Orleans that pays high taxes to live here, I feel like somebody ought to have a problem with the fact that we just bevied an attack against our mayor, our city mayor, and we brought Donald and Daffy Duck and Mickey Mouse to the table. That should be a punishable crime, it should be an offensible, uh, offensible crime, and to me, that's disrespectful to our city, and I think we deserve better than that. So, like, if, if you know, if some, you know, if some people from, like, polit you know, if a politician actually watches anything right now, or something like that, like, if, like, what are your words to them if actually change? Like, number actually, one, what would you do? Number one, don't take the job if you ain't gonna do nothing. Okay? And I mean, the job isn't to just get the job and keep the job for your own selfish agenda because I don't have that, okay? I believe every day that we do a, a tremendous amount of goodwill because I know it. I see the smile on our customers' faces when we leave. I hear the tone of voice when I call them and I know what they're dealing with. It's the summertime right now. Revenues are down. Labor is atrocious. 
the rates are out of out of control. It's harder now. It's easier now and harder now. It's easier now and more complex now to make money than ever before. And so I know that I make an impact positively on businesses every single day. Whether I can help them save money, whether I can help them make a small pivot, whether I can support them on an idea or whatever the case might be. The point I'm making about the politics is that, you know, I know that you can get more done in private practice than you can in political practice because in political practice, you have to ask for permission. In private, you can do whatever you want to do. So I understand that oftentimes, you know, they cannot do whatever it is they might, you know, sign up to do. But let us know. How you doing? My name is John. I, I ran for this office and this is the reason why I can't do it. And this person is responsible. This person is responsible. Maybe you won't have a long career, but at least let us know that you are not just a part of the problem, that you are stuck in a, in a wheel that isn't moving at all. Okay. So, having this company right now, I want to ask you this question. I love to ask you. Like being, you know, in this business for some years now, tell us what do you enjoy most about it and tell us what do you actually... I'm like, dislike about it. Okay, so listen, like, we're getting ready to open a restaurant on Canal Street. And this restaurant, I'm super excited about it. The guy's been working on it for six months. Let me say this. If you're in New Orleans and you're attempting to open a business, the paperwork trail is going to take you a while. It's unfortunate. That's one of the things I think should happen when it comes to trying to improve on the way that the city of New Orleans works, okay? So it took him six months just to get the permission and the ability to sell chicken. And to be honest with you, that's atrocious. If somebody has a permit or they want to get a permit and they have the money, if they have the money and they, they have a location, they have a lease, they have a light bill, or if they have a gas bill or whatever it takes, they should be able, in my opinion, to be able to start operating a business in 30 days. The health department, the department of this and the department of that, none of those departments communicate together. That all frustrates me because if somebody is willing to take the risk they should be met with the utmost amount of respect and support to help them to get to the finish line as soon as possible. Let me just tell you, so many businesses die in the planning phase, in the rent starting too early phase, in the paperwork trail phase. So many businesses die in that process. And then to find out that they can't open because the bathroom is not handicap accessible because it never was accessible because it was 200 years ago that the building was built. All that stuff is an absolute business atrocity. It's not even acceptable. I don't like none of that at all. If some business owner, some entrepreneur is willing to take the risk, then the, the, business, um, the business police should meet them. And everybody should work cohesively to try to get that done. That's just my opinion. And, I, and like I said, I don't like that. I don't even think it's the same in other cities. I think if somebody actually crazy enough to try to open a business, stick a flag on the ground and say, listen, I'm here. Here is my business. It's called We Sell Chicken. Then I think that all the municipality, all the government should be there with the permitting process. As long as they're ethical, they got all their tax paperwork together, all the business paperwork is together. I think it should be a two-hour situation. It should not be a two-year situation. And I personally know stories that it has taken that long for people to get to the finish line. Correct. Because I tell most, most entrepreneurs and business owners, like, don't jump ahead and, and go and get that overhead. Mm -hmm. no. I'm going to tell you ready. Yeah. Because everyone just thinks they need a business or a building. Mm -hmm. I like to say that don't don't get the meter to start running too soon. I like to say it like that. Okay. So, like, you know, I'm like, what's your advice to, like, entrepreneurs who probably watch this interview 
and we was thinking about starting a business, going to find a location. Mm -hmm. Like, if we don't really have like the resources, knowing about permits and everything like that. Okay, here's my thing. Go work for somebody else. Go work for somebody else. Show up on time, be early. Early is on time, on time is late, and late is inexcusable. That's a military, you know, that's, that's a military staple right there, okay? Go work for somebody. Well, what, if, what if you're not cut out to work for somebody? Well, you better learn because you can't just get out there and trial and error for 10 years before you make a dollar. That is absolute lunacy. That doesn't make any sense. My business is not a startup. My business is a continuation of the business education that I got while working in corporate America, while working into the military, while being a former athlete. Everything that I have, I've poured into my business and I'm committed to it and I'm convinced. So to the startup entrepreneur, number one, be a student of your game. Master your craft. Put in the reps. Stay in the gym until the shot works with your eyes closed. If you get out here and you, put, and you get them bad Yelp reviews because you deserve them. If you get out here too early and you can't consistently put the product on the plate over and over and over again, you deserve the backlash that comes with that. If you cannot, oh, you know what? As soon as you open your doors, you're gonna come, you're gonna come to know every single thing that could possibly happen wrong happen. If you're opening your doors and you got six months of a nest egg, then that's probably not enough. So like, for yourself, has there ever been a point, I'm like in your career, I'm like, we just want to give up? No, because I don't have a backup plan. I'm the backup plan. Giving up is not an option. That's not something that's in my, 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 my thought process. I get up every day knowing that, one, I make a difference. Two, I have unlimited income potential. Three, I am able to help as many people as I want to or I'm, I'm willing to. And, you know, four, the sky is the limit. Every day, I, I'm, I'm, I was speaking to someone yesterday about what's called the opportunity eye. I've gotten to a point in my career to where every day I see an opportunity for somebody to make millions of dollars if they actually were serious, laser focused, and committed. Most people say they're committed, but they don't work seven days a week. What is it about the people that make the most money that work all the time? What is it about the people who are the most successful that are always grinding and doing things and working and working and working? I still believe in high, high levels. I get eight hours of sleep. I know people who are operating multi-million dollar companies on five and six hours of sleep. And so I don't know how that happens because I don't know. I think I'd be, you know, losing my mind if I don't get enough say Rich people don't get eight hours. That's what I'm saying. And I, <laughs> and, I, and I truly believe that. But again, we all got the same resources. Man, you can learn. You can learn more than Harvard could ever teach you off of YouTube. Okay? Content is king. You can, you can read your way to an undergrad, graduate, postgrad, doctoral, and any other level that you want to. Just, just, just become a student of the game. So, have, have there ever been one client that you had to turn down? And, and also All the time. Why? All the time, and I'll tell you why. There's a, there's, a, there's a statement that styles make fights. Okay, so Ali and Frazier were great together because you had an aggressor and you had a passive-aggressive type person that could always do the delicate dance. In our case, we may not fit for every business owner, and that's okay. And I oftentimes leave in good, good, good standards. I still support the businesses that we don't do business today. I still go eat at their restaurants or patronize their club or, you know, see them and I have a cordial relationship with them. And I always write them a thank you letter for the opportunity to have done business with them. I know we're different. I know what we offer. And if somebody ever doesn't want to do business with us, that is perfectly fine. You let me see the Internet treat you better than I can. 
You let me see somebody behind a 1-800 number treat you better than we can. You let me see somebody answer that phone and support you the way that we do. I, I want to meet that person because I got a job for him. Right. That was actually about to be my, I mean, that was actually about to be my I mean, next question to you. Like, actually, what separates your company from everyone else out there? I think it's the fact that we are here and available. Why do you choose one bank over another? Why do you choose one car over another? It's all about preference. And that's why I said, I've got the opportunity. I'm in such a place in my career. I can see a need for this. I can see a need for that. And so with that being said, somebody's always going to need what we offer. And I may not be the person that they want. Let me tell you something. Somebody called me the other day. Elliot, I, I want to get some answers. I said, okay, cool. Let's talk about it. She was like, I want to know the price. I said, okay, well, I can try to break that down for you. Here's the price for this. Here's the price for that. This is something that might you might see. This is this is something you might else might also see. And she was like, what well, doesn't make any sense? I said, okay, let's try it again. This is how much the car costs. This is how much your gas costs. This is how much your insurance costs. And that's the operation of the car. Okay. And I don't know. You know, you might need air from time to time or maintenance from time to time. I can't comment on the the hypotheticals or the what ifs and she was like well that's a terrible example and I don't understand and you suck I said okay well listen thank you for the opportunity I'll take that back into uh, reflection and, I, and let me know how it works out so she calls me back in two weeks and she's like okay I want to get the service I said oh so you don't win the, the 1-800 number didn't work for you or the internet didn't work for you and you still are in the same place or is it because my voice is nice and you actually want to do business with a human being what, do you, what is it she was like, well, I did get a chance to um, look at what was out there, and yeah, you made it make more sense, and I want to do business with you. And I told her, I said, okay, well, listen, I'm going to have somebody call you back. And I said, and I hung the phone up. And I'm never going to do business with her, because if I have to explain to you that level, then you starting off as a bad customer, I don't even want you. And so that's, so that's a situation where I would potentially resist a bad customer, is because not that she was asking too many questions, but that she actually told me I sucked because she couldn't understand what it was that I was saying. Here's the thing. Go work for somebody else. She had never been a business owner before. And she never understood what the cost of doing business was. And so she thought she was going to just open the doors and everything was going to fall into place. Let me tell you something. If you open the doors to your business and you don't know what you're doing, everything is going to fall out of place. That's how it really works. And hey, what's your message and to the people right now, and we're just watching YouTube and looking mm -hmm. at the internet and just thinking, you know, being an entrepreneur is easy right. and you're just going to make a million dollars in six months and, and watching these videos like, you know, and like follow me and, and for more advice and all that stuff. Okay, so first of all, I would say, listen, filter your content because there are so many people out here scamming and lying. Let me tell you something. I do not believe in cryptocurrency because you can't come up in here and buy my services with it, and I don't know nobody that can buy anything with it. But that's a whole other conversation. So let's park the entire idea of decentralized finances over here with the rest of the gamblers and the scammers, okay? Because I remember one time we were trading platforms and everything else, and then someday you wake up and the whole platform going, tuck that over here. You got your YouTube sensations. You got girls taking their clothes off, making OnlyFans money. They make more money than I do. Here's the thing. There's only two ways to make money. Buy something, sell something. That's retail. Or to provide a service. Okay? And maybe sometimes you can do both of them at the same time. Okay? That's pretty simple. Now you need to find out what you're good at. Okay? And try to figure out a way to buy something, sell something, provide a service, or both at what you're good at. Okay? And I feel like entrepreneurialism is not for everybody. 
Don't let anybody tell you that you got to go start a business. Listen to me. There is honor in going to work every day and putting in 40 hours plus and taking your family on vacations every year and putting your kids through college. That that used to be okay. And then something happened and some, you start listening to Steve Harvey and people are telling you that you're not successful if you don't own this or own that. Let me explain something to you. Ownership means that you get paid last. Ownership means that your employees get paid before you do. And that if a, if a bill comes, you can't go ask your employees for their payroll back so that you can go fix this. That's not the way it works. So entrepreneurialism is the biggest, most attractive thing in the world that's really got so much smoke and mirrors that you need to be able to see the truth of it. If somebody could pay me an amazing salary to be the same amazing, energetic person that I could be, I am, then maybe that would have been an option for me. Entrepreneurialism is something that I fell into. I fell into Bonita Payments because I had worked in corporate for so long that I had an opportunity to make a change in my life. And it was a scary change. I will never forget the day that I started this company. And um, just yesterday on Instagram, I saw a guy say, you know, everybody on Instagram showing each it was showing these good times and like talking highly about, you know, selling houses, yeah. driving trucks. But yeah. like, why don't you show the bad stuff if when the truck break down or like, or like, why don't you show you being one like realtor sitting on the house for six months to a year and I don't still got to pay the bills. And I'll tell you why. It's because the success paints a narrative that, it, well, number one, it's not true because I get told no more times than I get told yes. Okay, but because of my journey, I can handle the no. The no doesn't mean no, it means not now. A lot of customers in this city that I've, and I, and I don't even wanna use New Orleans because my company expands far beyond New Orleans, but a lot of customers tell me no, and then they come back. Because sometimes they need to be able to learn the difference. Okay, I like seasoned merchants, that business owners that know what they're doing. I like those because they know what they want to be, how they want to be treated. And if they come and plug themselves into my operation, then hopefully that treatment is better than what they've had before. And I'm willing to bet that it is. And that's why I'm here. Right. And like, you know, if just my experience of actually seeing you, you and your company work like, if you can't have all them, you know, businesses like, like. And with the payment process, mm -hmm. companies actually actually come to your club or your restaurant mm -hmm. every at certain times. Like and you probably if you probably have to wait certain business days and everything like that. Mm -hmm. Well, let me explain something to you. We 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 we're here. We're here. We're local. We're supportive. You know, um, we have relationships with our people. You know, we have reps that cover every gambit of you know the Asian, the Hispanic, the whatever, 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 whatever your sauce is. We got somebody for that. Um, you know, and that's what I think makes us makes us work. You know, um, it is it is what it is. Everybody for them for everybody. Everybody for everybody. Somebody for everybody. But getting back to that entrepreneurialism thing, social media has done a terrible job of telling people that a school teacher is successful, or that a social worker is successful, or that you know a, a hotel attendant isn't successful. And to, to be honest with you, success is being able to pay your bills. Success is having a tax return that says that you are a contributing member of society because you don't get an opinion if you don't contribute, okay? And so I just don't like the way that they paint that narrative. Listen, there are real estate agents that haven't sold a house in two or three years and you're gonna sit around and wait on a 30 grand commission. I just told you two or three years. So now you're making 30,000 every two or three years. 
I mean, it happens all the time, but nobody tells you that. They want to just show you the big old house that they're sitting on because nobody can afford a $2 million house. I've seen things like that. I've seen people go get cars they can't afford for 90 days after they buy them. Like, what, 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 who are you doing that for? I am not trying to impress nobody because when the first of the month comes, it gets real quiet in my house because nobody's coming up with bills other than me. Other than me. So I don't do anything for the masses. I don't do anything for people's approval. I don't do anything that's going to give me a lack of peace because I have peace in my house. Thanks. Well, yeah, but my next question was, if, how do you go about actually hiring I'm like, all your I'm like, employees? Okay, you know what? Sometimes it's word of mouth, but most of the time it's people we see. Elliot, I saw this girl. She had an amazing attitude. Elliot, I met this dude. He has an amazing attitude. Hey, somebody just called me. They had, you know, whatever, whatever. So we all, and guess what? We recruit. We don't necessarily like the ones coming through the front door unless they come right. If you come in the door and say, hey, my name is Elliot Foreman. I'm willing to give you seven days. I don't have time to be at the second line. And I'm not going to be in the club every night or whatever the case is. And that could be somebody's thing. I'm not, I'm not knocking that. But let me explain something to you. The people at the highest high rise in the buildings are not the ones that you see all the time, okay? And so I'm looking for somebody who is like-minded, that's always on the grind, that's well-dressed, polished. And maybe you aren't well-dressed and you aren't polished, but you have an attitude to learn. I'm, I'm fine with that too. But I just don't have time for somebody. Listen, one of our neighbors in this office building said to me that they can't even get the employees to show up and not smell like weed on time for the interviews. So, so out of 10 applications, two show up and one of them smell like weed. I mean, am I the only person that thinks that that's an absolute terrible thing? And so not only do you want your full pay, but you want to show up and be on Instagram all day. Okay, listen, I hear the horror stories of what my customers are dealing with and I know it. And so I used to think that you can pay a person a lot of money and they'll change all that stuff. No surgery, about, no, no. People are who they are. They do what they do. And so if they don't have, if they can't treat themselves right, they'll never treat your business right. So here's that other piece of advice to a small business owner. How can you trust your entire company and everything about it to somebody that you pay a small amount of money and then expect your Yelp reviews to look good? So that's going to be very tricky, right? And that's something to really think about. You got a $10 an hour employee and she's on Instagram all the time, but you have a multi-million dollar business. And she's the person that your customers meet when they walk in the door and order food. It was also when I'm like saying, I'm like for that. It was hard to find I'm like good help. I don't know. So, so let me <laughs> ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. So in quintessential fast food, we're talking about all of your big brand names. You know, the problem with that is the person that works in these establishments has changed or they're no longer available. So what are they going to do? If the robot comes for your job, and you can order it from a kiosk with no attitude, that's always on time, that's going to give you accuracy with no attitude, why wouldn't you? No healthcare involved, no late, no showing up with, with other issues and situations going on. Is that too much to ask for? All right. Yeah, but I fell victim for it as well because I already hired AI for a lot of stuff already. Well, listen, I mean, because we're reaching for tools, and right. tools are in, intelligently, act, you know, um, technology-wise available for us. And so as a result, yeah, I would probably hire some AI too. I mean, I, I mean, we use it, you know, throughout, our, th throughout our technology business, right. but at the same time, 
I still know that people make the biggest difference. We have a culture here. And one of the things we try to do is we try to always have a positive attitude. I tell people, I don't pay for bad attitudes, so don't bring that crap around here. I'm checking at the door. Not, not only that, but... <laughs> You know, treat each other with respect, you know, because I'm, I'm big on respect and I treat people with respect. And it's just like you don't get the luxury of having a negative Nancy attitude around us. If you got something going on, then just go home. Take, take the day off. But do me a favor. Understand something. Number one, if you're late on a Monday, you suck. Number two, if you're late on a Tuesday, you suck. Number three, if you're late on a Wednesday, you suck, and et cetera, et cetera. If you're late, you suck because it means that your life is so busy that where you make money isn't important enough for you to be on time. That's disrespectful to you. That's disrespectful to your customers. That's just disrespectful. Gotcha. So, what do you see you and your company going in like three years from now? 10x. I will multiply this company 10 times over. I don't know how quickly I'll be able to get that done, but I will. And so for me, that means 10 times bigger, 10 times better, 10 times more available and far-reaching and supportive and helpful and financial. We will do whatever we have to do because that's just it. So the, the thing is, Elliot, you know, you make money so you can go do something else. No, actually, I'm going to do what I do much better every day until my time is up. Gotcha. So, all right, what's next for you? Um, relocation, you know, adding more offices in different cities and things like that. I know what comes with that. But, the, but again, remember I say I can see things. I can see the opportunity in other cities, in other states, in other places. You know how many other cities in the, in, the, in the southern panhandle don't have the resources that we offer to our local customers today? I want to be able to give that to them at scale, at a, at a price point that, that they can appreciate. Gotcha. And also... But last but not least, tell the world, I'm like, what can they find you at on social media and also on like, find your um, company? Well, you know, I've recently been told that sometimes I need to separate Elliot from Bonita Payments, but the truth is we are one and the same. You know, um, my philosophies and my, my excuse me, ideologies are who I am. It's, it's the core part of me. It's in my DNA. So I don't want to separate me from Benita. I want to continue to be the best version of myself, and I want my company to do the same. So we are at Benita Payments on all social media platforms. And if you just Google Elliot, I'm pretty sure you'll find something about us. But we're here. We ain't going nowhere.